This is Roots in the Wilderness, and today we're talking about the Great Divide Trail. Welcome back to Roots in the Wilderness, everybody. My name is Kate Hamilton, and today I have Dave Hockey with me. He's from the Great Divide Trail Association, and I'm super pumped to have him because uh, this summer I went and spent a week volunteering on the Great Divide Trail, and I'm really pumped for you all to learn more about it. So thanks for coming, Dave. Hey, well, thanks for having me. I enjoy it. Yeah, good. I, I really appreciate you taking your time here to uh, tell all the listeners about the Great Divide Trail. Absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of that, what what is the Great Divide Trail? Where is it? Uh, what are we talking about? Well, yeah, that's a loaded question. Uh, well, basically what it is, uh, is a long distance hiking and equestrian trail. And the trail starts uh, or ends, depending on which way you go, yeah. uh, at the U.S. border uh, between Canada and the U.S. down in Waterton. And basically it follows the continental divide between Alberta and B.C. And you'll cross it no fewer than 30 times uh, as you move along northward. Uh, and you end up 1,100 kilometers or so uh, later up at a place called Kakwa Lake Provincial Park in B.C. And it's a it's a stunning uh, walk in the woods. <laughs> well, I think so uh, it's just an easy stroll. Yeah, it's good. an easy stroll. You know, when people they really do they uh, uh, you know they they talk about it you know it being hard. It, it's harder than a lot of the the big trails in the U.S. Just because it is a bit rougher, uh, and there's areas where. Uh, you know, we haven't done as much uh, trail work or trail maintenance, so there's a bit more bushwhacking. And, you know, there's one section, I think there's like 310 trees someone uh, counted that that have fallen over the trail in a 17-kilometer stretch. So it's kind of like, you know, walking through pickup sticks. Yeah. So that's certainly, you know, it's not super technical, but it just, it tires you out. And so you, you don't go as fast as you do on those other trails. So, yeah. yeah sure. But it's... Uh, it, it, it's an experience as well. Like when, when you describe it as just a trail, uh, you know, everyone goes, well, I, I've hiked, you know, lots of other places in the Rocky Mountains. And, and, and so, you know, how different would that be, you know? And, and it really is different in a way, especially if you're looking at it like a through hike. And when you're doing that, it, it, it just takes so much in order to get it done. Like the amount of planning it takes at the start. And then, you know, everyone in your family circle is kind of helping or involved in it. Uh, and then as you move along the trail, there are different things that will, will come about where you need people's help and, and people are so helpful. And so one, it not only reconnects you uh, with yourself and nature, but it also reconnects you with people. It reinstores your faith in humanity, I think. So, so I always say it's more than just a trail, more than just a walk. Yeah. I actually was uh, on the Skyline Trail this summer and ran into a guy, a 19-year-old German guy, who was uh, just into his uh, start of the Great Divide Trail trip. He was pretty pumped. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's amazing that. Germans, you see them everywhere. They're like not only <laughs> such big travelers, 
really like to hike. It just every time I seem to meet someone in an extreme situation, it's a German. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, he was. I don't know if he had talked to too many people yet because he uh he talked our ears off for sure. <laughs> it was great though. Um, yeah. What uh, well, what part way? Of Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I'm saying this part of it is just the loneliness, right? It's just, uh, yeah, the uh, you know you can be out there in those trails in the in in the states. You'll see someone, you know, every day or many sometimes like 50 people in a day. And there's lots of times you might not see anyone for four or five days on the Great Divide Trail. So it's a bit different that way. For sure. For the listeners, I just want to point out, uh, Dave and I are not together. Um, we are recording this over the internet. So there are some uh, uh, lags in time here. So if you're wondering what's going on, that's why, <laughs> because we are, we're not in person. Uh, would you recommend, Dave, going north to south or south to north? Or is there a preference for people normally? Yeah, I would say just based on uh, you know what we see, I would say probably 90% of people would hike uh from the south to north yeah and there's not like a, a really large reason for doing it and and when you look at the trails again in the states and everywhere almost everyone starts in the south and goes to north so i just don't know if it's our natural body's compass and inclination to do that but i mean i guess a little bit of is it is you know you've got uh you know warming weather and it generally is warmer you know, in the south first, so you'll have more snow melt and things like that in the south. And then as you get further north, then it, it has given you time to get some of that extreme snow uh, melted in that. And uh, yeah, so really that, that that's about it. Yeah, for sure. I also was reading that uh, about or fewer than 30 people complete the whole trail a year. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, that's that's a little bit old data. Yeah, I, I think when uh, we kind of first got this thing resurrected about uh, 2013, we got it reincorporated and we started watching the data. And the only data we get uh, is just uh, people that reply to our website. Yeah. And uh, and got a list on there, and 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 then we just generally know because they're emailing us and say, yeah, we're going to do it. And so it was about 15 to 20, maybe 30 people a year. It was pretty small. And I think uh, it's grown every year uh, exponentially, but you're starting with such low numbers. But uh, we definitely think we had over 100 people this year. So uh, so it's That's good. Great. So it's, you know, it's still, you know, nothing like the Pacific Crest Hill or six or 7,000 people a year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for some people, that's a good thing. And some people, it's not. So, yeah, different experience. I, I'm trying to remember. I you. I'm pretty sure you told me that you haven't done the complete trail yet. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. I've only done about half of it, probably up to about just uh, like about Lake Louise. So that whole northern section. I've done little parts in in the north, but uh, not as a through hike for sure. So oh, yeah. yeah. When are you gonna do that? <laughs> oh my goodness! I got. I have so many th things. There's not enough time left, but uh, I don't know. I I started the PCT and I've been doing uh, that in chunks as well. And then uh, my knees kind of gave out. So uh, I, I only have about, I think, three weeks left on that. And I'll have that fixed. So I got to get that one just because it's such a long one and, yeah. and it's farther away and more logistically hard. So 
uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, happens after the second knee surgery. And then uh, if we get all that in good shape, then maybe in a few years we can do some of the northern sections, which I'd love to for sure. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved with the Great Divide Trail Association? Yeah, I go to the uh, Alberta Wilderness Association, puts on these Tuesday night talks, and uh, I go to them every once in a while, and uh, you get the, you know, the emails, and you look at it and go, Great Divide Trail, and I don't know, it just sounded interesting, so uh, so we went there, so there was a few characters there, there was uh, one of the original guys, Dave Higgins, uh, was one of the original six university students that worked on the trail. Uh, back in the 70s, and then there were two other guys. Uh, there, uh, they were state instructors and and friends as well. And uh, as they describe it, uh, they 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 started uh, hiking on the trail, and uh, they kept losing the trail, <laughs> uh, which was a real funny way of them saying they got lost all the time. So they figured this is a great trail. We got to make sure that it's maintained. So they started doing some trail maintenance uh, again back in. Uh, that probably would have been the early 2000s. And uh, anyhow, you just uh, started uh, and listened to their whole presentation and well, it just sounded really interesting. And then I uh, went out for the very first maintenance trip in 2010. And there was another guy there named Brad Valencourt and him and I kind of hit it off. And and uh, we were talking with uh, the other guy, Wayne, and just said, you know, geez, we got to get this thing going again. and. Uh, so uh, we had a big chat around the fire and that, and we got all excited about it. And there we go. A decade later, we're still involved. Yeah. And what your what's your t- role with the association? Uh, well, uh, I was on the board for about eight years, including a few years as president. Uh, and now I just uh, volunteer on some committees yeah. and uh, kind of all around gopher probably is uh, the best <laughs> way to describe it. Yeah. Try to reduce my major commitments, but I my fingers are in every little piece of it, but just not as a as a large commitment anymore. Yeah, and um, as far as the history of the trail, so the little portion you just talked about that, to my understanding, is when the association kind of was re-resurrected, and there was a a little hiatus there in in between, from when it was initially started. Is that correct? Yeah, for the most part, uh, just to go back a little bit, it was uh, 1966 was kind of like the first kind of reference uh, that we can find in the archives. And that was actually the Girl Guides of Canada. Right. And uh, they were the ones that uh, proposed a trail running the entire length of Alberta and BC, which was, uh, you know, quite the undertaking. Yeah. Uh, But it really kind of got going after there was a guy named Jim Thorsell who worked for the National Forest Service uh, at that time, it was called. Uh, and uh, he wrote a provisional guide uh, and some maps or whatever from Banff kind of to Waterton-ish area. And then in the like 74 to 76, there was these six university students that got a opportunities for youth grant. And uh, here off they went and they surveyed all of this area and, and then they started uh, working on it. So they, they worked on that main section. And we, we always prefer that as the original section because that was the Great Divide Trail. And, you know, we kind of have bigger ideas of what uh, we want it to be. But, uh, yeah, so they, uh, they built about 105 kilometers over, you know, a, a bunch of years. Yeah. And, 
And that really is kind of, that, that was the main thing. And then, you know, back in the kind of eighties, you know, these guys that were all young and single and, you know, they graduated from university and they got married and they got jobs and careers. And there was a lot of forestry going on at that time. So they would, you know, they had made the whole trail and then, you know, forestry would come in and just to be a big cut block and they, you know, cause the forestry at that time didn't even know about the trail. So those were kind of what they call the dark years. And then once uh, those two SAID instructors got going again, uh, they started resurrecting and started doing trail maintenance again. And then it kind of all took off once again. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, because a lot of the Great Divide Trail um, pieces together some already established trails to make one long, big trail, right? Like including the Skyline Trail and uh, I think the Rockwell Trail. I did that one this summer too, which was awesome. Okay. Um, Berg Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we always call it our trail, but it's funny because it is, is that. And even as we're working towards official recognition, you know, we're, we're talking to land managers and, uh, and we say, well, that's the Great Divide Trail. And they go, well, you know, it's, it's been called, you know, such and such for 50 years before you were even born. So, you know, these are sort of, like you said, the old outfitter trails and trails through Banff that have, you know, had a lot of history to them as well. So, yeah, we've kind of pieced all that, you know, together, logical trails that go through there. Uh, you know, we obviously don't want to build more new trail than we need to. And if there's, you know, it's, yeah, as you know, now doing the rock on the skyline, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat those two sections yeah. of trail, right? And then you got Waterton down there. And then, so we kind of work in the areas where there isn't a lot. And, you know, we're, we're still some OHV trails that we're trying to turn into regular trails and things like that. So that's where we do most of our work. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you know what uh, the fastest known time of doing the whole trail is or so far? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, again, we don't try to track kind of things yeah. like that. We're, we're probably going to have to at some point because it, uh, th this whole fastest known time thing <laughs> is starting to become, uh, uh, you know, especially a, a thing for the younger, the bloggers and the vloggers. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's always some gonna do it. So I, I don't know. I know people have done it in like 28 days. Uh, uh, one of our volunteers this year, I think, did it in 28 days. He's pretty fast. So yeah, that's uh, uh, we'll have to just keep an eye on it. Yeah, because I, yeah. I know it's gonna come. So I think oh, yeah. the most significant thing we've already had is a yo-yo, and uh, and that's where uh, a guy named Anderson and his wife Tara. They started uh, in early June uh, on snowshoes in Waterton and then made it up to about Highway 3 and were able to get rid of the snowshoes. And then they went all the way out to Calquall Lake. They turned right around and then they came all the way back. And that was the year of the big forest fires. And so they were getting like closure and you can't go here. So then they're kind of, you know, getting around and... Uh, then they had to wait for a while, and then they had to wait for basically Waterton to completely burn. And yeah. I think they finished sometime in mid-October. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I'd like to do the whole thing one day, too. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you're right, though. Man, everything you need. I just need way more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
usually money isn't a, 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 as big of a thing for this because it doesn't cost really a lot to do it. Like what, once you have your gear yeah. and, uh, you know, that's a whole other thing. I mean, you know, back in the 70s, it's fun to see those old pictures, these guys in their big packs and their 75 pound packs and they, you know, their full bottle of rum and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, nowadays you watch these through hikers, you know, and they've got, you know, base loads of 10 or 15 pounds and, you know, they're just flying, you know, they barely have anything. So, but uh, it costs thousands of dollars. What do they It costs hundreds of dollars to lose pounds and it costs thousands of dollars to lose ounces. Yeah. So if you're buying these things like this, you know, uh, Denima fabric and all that kind of stuff, you buy a you know, $1,100 tent, you know, and it's like, what? Totally. But uh, when you've got older knees and you, and, and you don't want to carry a lot and, you know, it uh, really makes a difference. So and the gear is getting so much better. So yeah, so that helps a lot for sure. But yeah, yeah so once you have that, then you're just buying food and walking, right? So it doesn't really cost a lot. Yeah, totally. Right. And it also depends, you know, what you're willing to give up, you know. Um, my mm-hmm. friend and uh, his wife did the PCT and he was talking about their 25, 25 pound backpacks and their, you know, uh, half size thermares and their quilts, the one-sided quilts, the not even a full sleeping bag. And I was just like, I don't think I'm built for that. Like I, I can be kind of intense, but that's, uh, I think that's beyond me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's so true. It's, uh, and they talk about your one luxury item, you know, and it might be an inflatable pillow or it's your camera or whatever. And yeah. And it's funny cause you, I, I find the longer you do this, you kind of go through like waves you know, and so yeah. you go really, really ultra light and you get down to what you think is your limit. And then you kind of go, you know, geez, my old bones are getting a little bit sore. And, you know, I'd rather have, you know, carry a bit more weight and have a really nice thermo rest or whatever, you know. So you kind of, so now my weight's kind of come up a little bit again because it's like that. It's just like, well, too. that bit of a function of age you know like if you're 18 or 19 you could sleep on a, a quarter inch you know yeah. piece of foam that's hard and it doesn't seem to bother you you get up the next day and you you know you walk by all us older guys moaning and groaning and you know and they look at you like what's wrong with that guy but you know you just yeah it, it, it gets harder and and you and you don't want to do it you don't want to be uncomfortable so it's yeah it's a choice yeah for sure so for people who are looking at um hiking the Great Divide Trail. Um, as far as resources, I know that the the website is a really good resource. There's lots of information on the website to begin with. It really is. And it gets a little frustrating sometimes because we get, and we tell people to, to email in and we're more than happy to answer a lot of emails, but uh, you will see that uh, 90% of our, our responses back is, have you seen this section on the website? You know, and so people really need to do a deep, deep dive into the website. Uh, again, that guy Brad, uh, he's done such an amazing job putting all that uh, information on there, compiling it, and talking to other hikers. and And other hikers have been great in sharing their information, and, and we've been putting that on there as well. So we get a lot of beta from different uh, ways. So. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Uh, the website's the number one best source. And then a few others after that, you know, you've got, uh, we also have a Facebook group called the Great Divide Trail Hikers. Yeah. And the nice part about that is, is that there is so many uh, experts on there because they've done the trail. Like there's a, the, all the through hikers stay on there and, and most of them answer questions. 
and 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 to to ad nauseum in in my uh, opinion like people will go like you know, i want to buy a water bottle you know what color would you guys yeah. recommend and like you know we're pretty busy as volunteers we just don't want to yeah. but there'll be a string of like 25 people talking about the color of the water bottle or whatever and i'm making a joke it's along that lines and that's great. I mean, and that's what that forum is for. And then those people love to debate gear back and forth and timing. And yeah. like, they talk a lot about permits on there and stuff like that. So it's it's a huge, huge resource. And it's really the best way is to start reading some of those and that. And and again, even on our website is, is going and just watching some of the uh, the blogs that these people have in their websites. And, you know, they'll they'll do the blog of the whole trail and there's must be seven or eight of them on there. Yeah. And and you almost feel like you've hiked it after watching some of those, you know, and and it's yeah. it's uh, inspirational as well. And but it gives you a really good idea of and, and especially like, you know, there's always the you know, the eternal optimist, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Cheery, and they're just wonderful every day. And then, you know, there's the, you know, the realistic going, I hate this. And like, oh, I've been I'm eaten alive from mosquitoes yeah. and you know, so you'll get, you know, a lot of different viewpoints, which is really good, actually, if you're planning yeah. your hike. So I think so. Totally. Yeah. So that's that's a good information uh, there for sure. And then, you know, like you've got uh, still the Bible, I guess, would be Dustin Link's Hiking yeah. the Great Divide book. Uh, that's uh, he's got the third volume out now and uh, it's all in color and his maps in there are excellent. So if you're more on the tactile type of uh, person that likes to, you know, open up the book and look at it and that, that's a, a great uh, kind of resource to work with the website uh, and uh, and all the other kind of internet information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have that book as well and it, it has, yeah, lots of details in there too. And I am that tactile person. Like I'm the person who would carry the book, the extra weight, so I could have it with me. <laughs> but well and it's good that whenever you have that those kind of maps and all that they also have kind of like you know maybe bailout points and 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 then uh, maps that are a bit bigger that will show you you know how to get down to you know the highway or whatever and you know that's a bit of a safety thing too so uh i i don't think there's anything wrong and it's great just to read what's going to happen the next day and for and, sure uh, you know and know where you are and Oh, that's right. I don't want to miss this turn off because that goes to an alternate that I would like to take. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So um, are there any challenges that the Great Divide Trail Association is facing as far as continuing trail maintenance or or building trails or. Or is it all is it all kind of uh, slow moving along the way it's uh, kind of planned to be? Well. A, a bit of both. I mean, there's there's always challenges. So uh, I think the biggest challenge in uh, Canada, anyhow, is we don't have a unified system uh, for approval of long distance trails like they do in the United States. They have the National Scenic Trails Act, and it, it doesn't sound like a big thing, but it really is because you know once they come up with this uh, trail, that it it mandates that all the different land management uh, uh, jurisdictions that they all have to work together and that's really important like people think oh you just they must just talk to the government of Alberta and away they go but there's you know it's all over the place because there's parks yeah right that would be like Kananaskis parks and then there's uh, you know public land use zones it's all public land and 
uh, we don't go on any private land at all. Uh, and and even within those parks, there's different people you need to talk to. And within the public land use owners, different people to talk to. And then you have all of that replicated on the on the BC side. So and none of them talk together. And then you have the national parks, which are our own, you know, they're kind of uh, their own little ant hill there, and they don't really want anyone playing in their ant hill. So it's uh, it's quite a challenge for sure. And uh, everyone has different levels of support for the idea. And no one yet's really kind of grabbed onto it and say, yes, we do. And I think Alberta's getting the closest and we're making some good uh, progress there. But uh, yeah, it's a long battle trying to get it kind of approved. And then, you know, people don't want to put all this effort uh, into making this trail and, and spending so many hours volunteering and then have the trail ripped up by forestry or mining. Yeah. And, you know, so those are big challenges. Uh, the forestry is pretty good right now, now that uh, it's mostly Spray Lake Sawmills is a company that is mostly cutting in where we deal with and they now have uh, our trail on their maps and, and they know us and, and that, so that's good. So, but now mining is a new thing and they're going to be talking about digging up the trail south of Highway 3, yeah. you know, and so that's another thing. So there's always challenges and, uh, you know, then, you know, there's, there's never enough money. But uh, we've kind of been pretty lucky at that, just kind of slowly getting there. I mean, this year was a big challenge with, you know, a lot of things like the North Face and the Met just weren't able to give out any money this year. And yeah. they're our two largest sponsors, uh, you know, but we just uh, quickly, you know, did some other grants or whatever. And we were very, very fortunate to get enough to build. And uh, yeah, and then just trying to get more and more people and then get more and more people involved in the organization. Yeah. So uh, got... Uh, seems the easiest is almost to get people out and do the trail building because that's really the fun part there's yeah. no question and then you know you know to, to find people that want to volunteer to do accounting and you know public relations and <laughs> you know uh, our instagram account and all that stuff so it all you know it all takes time but it all is really really important in order if you don't have a good organization then all the rest falls apart so and that's been building and it's been building well it just takes time yeah for sure um, and uh, anyone could be a member, right? The I think membership fees are thirty dollars a person for a year, and yep, uh, anybody exactly. could come do a trail building trip too, right? The sign up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we generally have a thing where it's uh, sixteen years old and up. Yeah. Uh, uh, although if they're if they're younger than that and they're accompanied by their parents, then or a parent, then then that would be fine. Uh, so we. I think we were gonna have uh, a, a couple come out with their two kids that were younger like that, and, but they didn't work out. Just they were from the states, actually. Right. So border uh, closing, but no. So the most part, 16 and up, and uh, and all the way to I don't know what 81. I think so far yeah. is the oldest we've had out there. Amazing. And and yeah, you watch these people, and you just kind of hope you can keep up to them because you kind of feel bad if you don't. But yeah, a lot of these people are amazing what they do, and. And everyone gets a different amount done and picks different tools. But yeah, it's, it's it's not technical. We show you what to do and we show you how to do it safely. And we take safety very seriously. And uh, and we just get out there and uh, work away and have a lot of fun. And as you know, and yeah, uh, go home sore, but, but happy. Yeah. yeah, our group had such a good time. Um, I think a lot of them are planning on coming back on their own next year, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so satisfying because um, we did some maintenance, but mostly we were building trails, right? So it was it was cool to see like 
nothing go to a trail. <laughs> it was great. Um, I just, different this I just year. Than, different this year than normal, of course, because of our friend COVID. So we just had we had a smaller group than you normally have, and instead of um, well, we all just took care of our own food, right? Um, those are those are the biggest differences, I think. And we there was two separate kitchens. We were one group, and then um, yeah, different. Or as they call it now, cohort. Cohort. So uh, yes. yeah, essentially, you were the OCC cohort, and we were the. And, and, you know, we all did kind of eventually get around by the fire and all that. I think, you know, as time goes along, people kind of become more, uh, you know, comfortable with things. And you are in the outdoor setting and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's good. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, again, those trips are all variable. It's, you know, we'll, as long as we have about a minimum of five people, we'll go out and then, you know, we try to keep it under 20 because otherwise it gets a little uh, unmanageable. You want to be able to... Uh, manage people in a safe way and if they get too spread out then uh, it, things may happen so uh, yeah so it, it it's pretty easy to do really and you know we're getting more gear all the time and uh, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it to you but you know my nice big warm tent yeah uh, that I had we bought two of those uh, this year we got a great grant from the Alberta Equestrian Federation which was so good and so we bought two of them and we just finished and putting them all together and getting them all ready. So uh, uh, that'll be much warmer for our volunteers next year to be able to have a full on dining tent with a stove in it. So we're pretty excited about that. And uh, we're going to keep the other ones still for uh, other groups, you know, that, that might come in that don't have gear. So, yeah, it just progresses all the time. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, such an amazing experience. It was really great. Um, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, is there anything last thing that you think would be uh, important for uh, people to know about the Great Divide Trail? Uh, no, I think you know if, if if we haven't piqued your interest by now, we we probably won't. But uh, <laughs> you know, check check it out on uh, uh, on the website and 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 cr cruise around there and stuff like that. If uh, people have questions there there is the uh, reply email uh, info at greatdividetrail.com and just have them uh, uh, go on there and, and, and give us fire off an email if they have any questions if there, there's no stupid questions about that you know and we're happy to answer them and give them a little guidance and point them along the way but yeah it's uh, I just don't think people understand what a jewel that we have here you know and, and hiking a few of the trails in the states and i know lots of you know hikers over the years now and and they've hiked around the world and this truly truly is probably one of the most scenic wilderness hiking experiences that you will have in the world and we have it right in our backyard and so we're so fortunate so uh if people are passionate about that we'd love them to get out there and hike some of it and uh, and again, you don't have to hike the whole thing at once, do like you do, you don't piece it all together. And uh, and then when you see what a jewel it is, come and volunteer and give back a little bit and help us uh, move it on. Yeah, and that's sure. about it. I'm going to put a, a link to your website in the show notes for this. So if you're interested in checking oh, that out great. or becoming a member, um, please click on to that. And also on my my website here, I have a 
a little video, a little YouTube video that uh, we've created. And it's, uh, it will give you kind of idea of what it was like for our, us to go trail building. So have a look at that too. Maybe you want to trail build, hike the trail, then do some trail building, become a member, all the stuff. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again, Dave. I really appreciate it. Um, this is Roots in the Wilderness. My name is Kate Hamilton, and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.